we're in our last Sunday before the new year, and normally there is a, a year-ending type sermon you want to leave or entering into the new year you want to encourage and so forth. And David kind of brings that about with a change in his heart and in his life. So we're in 1 Samuel 29 and 30 this morning. And in chapter 29 of 1 Samuel, we find the Philistines, the hated Philistines, they're preparing for war against Israel. And the preparation of war by the Philistines has made King Saul very afraid. Saul is desperate for directions from God, but God will not answer Saul. That relationship has long been severed. So Saul seeks out a fortune teller, a medium, uh, and he wants the fortune teller to conjure up the prophet Samuel. How and this all comes about, it's, it's all in the Lord's hands. But Samuel informs Saul, God has not only deserted you, Saul, but now whether you like it or not, God is now your enemy. Wow. Kind of like what... God had to say to Pharaoh through Moses, you know, you're now opposing God. But Samuel continues and says, tomorrow, Saul, you're going to die. You're going to die in battle. And that's kind of sobering news to understand or hear that you're about to die. We've all known people who have gone to the doctor and told uh, get your affairs in order. You're about to die. And they usually have some terminal disease like cancer. And I've often wondered, what if I was told that I was to die real soon? Would I welcome that news or would I be fearful? I think I'd want to know. I think I'd want to know if I were to be, you know, expected to die in a soon manner. But I had a cousin, a healthy, big, robust man who died of cancer several years back. And he had gone out to Houston, Texas. He was operated on and went back a few weeks later and he was told basically they felt they had got all the cancer and that he was cancer free. And he and his family were rejoicing. They were Christians, and they were thanking God for the healing that he had obviously experienced through the doctors. For him to only find out a few weeks later, they had read the wrong chart. And he was still terminally ill. And I was talking to him, and I said, man, what a cruel thing to happen to you. And he says, no. It was a blessing. He said, uh, me and my wife and my children, we had a couple weeks where we were simply rejoicing in life. And that was a good two weeks. But then he shortly passed away. 
King Saul has been told you got one day left. And the scene switches for the Philistines now are reviewing their troops. They're having their uh, May Day, you might say, among the troops, getting ready for battle against Israel. So let's pick it up in 1 Samuel 29, uh, verse 1. Then the Philistines gathered together all their armies at Aphek, and the Israelites encamped by a fountain which is in Jezreel. And the Lord of the Philistines passed in review by hundreds and by thousands. But David and his men passed in review at the rear with Achish. Then the princes of the Philistines said, What are these Hebrews doing here? And Achish said to the princes of the Philistines, is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me these days or these years? And to this day I have found no fault in him since he defected to me. But the princes of the Philistines were angry with him. So the princes of the Philistines said to him, Make this fellow return that he may go back to the place which you have appointed for him and do not let him go down with us to battle lest in the battle he become our adversary. For with what could he reconcile himself to his master if not with the heads of these men? Is this not David, of whom they sang to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And then Achish called David and said to him, Surely as the Lord lives, you have been upright. You're going out and you're coming in with me. And the army is good in my sight. For to, for to this day I have not found evil in you since the day of your coming to me. Nevertheless, the lords do not favor you. Speaking of the Lord, said the Philistine. Therefore, return now, go in peace, that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. So David said to Achish, But what have I done? And to this day, what have you found in your servant as long as I have been with you that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my lord the king? Then Achish answered and said to David, I know that you are good in my sight as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the princes of the Philistines have said, He shall not go up with us to the battle. Now, therefore, rise early in the morning with your master's servants who have come with you. And as soon as you are up early in the morning, have light, depart. So David and his men rose early to depart in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines went to Jezreel. These princes, these army generals of the Philistines, they have a question for Achish. What is David the Hebrew doing among them? Achish, who had been deceived by David, defends David. But the Philistine generals, they want to know why. Have you lost your mind, Achish? And they demand that David and his men vacate their whole premises. Achish tells David... Uh, for your own safety, you best leave, you best go. 
I have a serious question here. Has David become an ally of Achish, the Philistine? I do know this. God will now deal with David. But was David and his men ready to align themselves with this godless pagan of the Philistines? I think David was ready to switch sides. I think he was ready to be uh, a traitor towards Israel. But Israel is God's people. And David will not be allowed to fight against them. That's my personal belief. So let's look at chapter 30, verses 1 through 6. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Ziglag attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women who were there from small to great, and did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam and the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was generally, or excuse me, greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the souls of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David and his men, who had been on the run for years, uh, had found a home with the Philistines for uh, for a year and a half, uh, but David had Saul pursuing him to kill him for years. Now he des defected over to the Philistines, and the Philistine generals, the princes, do not trust him, and they want David out of there. And David goes back to Ziglag. Ziglag was the village that had been given to him by Achish. And it has been burnt to the ground. And all their wives and children are now captives of the Amalekites. The Amalekites have attacked Ziglag. And David and his men, they weep over their loss. And they weep until they have no more power to weep. I don't know if I've ever wept like that. David and his men are so grieved. <clears throat> well, David's men are grieved at him. They're so upset. They're so taken back that they speak of stoning David to death. David, in his year and a half of deception and sin where he raided the villages of Judah and killed all the, the inhabitants. He killed men, he killed women, he killed children, and he stole and looted all their possessions. And David, a man of bloodshed, is now destitute. 
But notice David strengthened himself in the Lord. And it's like David has come to his senses. Now, he had to lose everything that he knew to come to his senses, but that's the way it generally works. And he strengthened himself in the Lord, and it's brought about by severe sorrow and weeping. David has wept before the Lord until his tears are dry. In David's attempt to be safe from Saul, King Saul, who has pursued him, David transgressed greatly against God. He became a murdering, raiding vigilante. How long did David weep before the Lord? All I can say is long enough. <laughs> he got, he got, had him where he wanted him, and David was in a sorrowful, repentant mood. And there in, there's a verse in 2 Corinthians that uh, talks about, for godly sorrow produces repentance to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. David, when he had no other place to turn, turned back to God. David had been backslidden. He had been involved in sin. He had hit rock bottom. And sometimes when we hit rock bottom, that produces repentance. Recently, I, one of my good friends, his son committed adultery. And like most sinners and most of us that will sin, there's no repentance until you're caught. When you get caught, all of a sudden, you can repent. You can find a place of shedding tears. And when this young man was faced with the possibility of losing his wife, losing his children, perhaps even losing his job, he repented. Isn't that the way it is? And my friend spoke of his son being like a whipped puppy dog. And that's sad to see, but sometimes that is necessary. Have you ever had sin make you so sorrowful that you despaired of life? David is there. But David knows the solution. David knows his Lord, and he strengthens himself in the Lord. How? Through repentance. God, by his Holy Spirit, does not lead us to godly sorrow to leave us there. He wants us to be sorrowful for our sin. He wants us to repent, but he wants to bring us out of it and strengthen us and give us hope. David, he is at rock bottom, but God rescues David. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 37 through 20. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, Amalek's son, 
Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and his 600 men who were with him, and he came to the brook Besor, where those stayed, <clears throat> stayed who were left behind. But David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind, who were so weary they could not cross the brook Bezor. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, and they gave him bread, and he ate, and they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him. For he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, To whom do you belong? And where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of the Malachite, and my master has left me behind because uh, three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion on the southern area of Cherisites in the territory which belongs to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb and burned Ziglag with fire. And David said to him, Can you take me down to this troop? So he said, Swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to the troop. And when he had brought him down... There they were spread over all the land, eating and drinking, dancing, because all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistine and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoils or anything that they had taken from them. David recovered all. Then David took all the flocks and the herds that had been driven before those other livestock and said, This is David's spoil. David is back on speaking terms with God. David summons Abathar, the priest, and he inquires of God via the ephod, shall I pursue the Amalekites? And God tells him, yes. And you will recover all your spoils, all your goods that were taken. You're going to get them back. And David marches to overtake the Amalekites, but he has 200 men of his troops that are too weary to even cross this little river or brook. And they're too tired to go on. And so 200 of David's men are left behind. And it so happens that David and his men find an Egyptian, an Egyptian slave left behind by the Amalekites, for he had fell sick. They give the Egyptian some food and drink, and he recovers. Then the Egyptian leads David and his troops to the area where the Malachites are celebrating in this drunken dancing party. David attacks them all day. And 
only 400 escaped from David, and they rode off on their camels. And David and his men recover all the goods, the livestock, plus much more loot and booty, and, and they recover their wives also. And David becomes, in a day or two there, very rich from all the spoils and the livestock. But then we have greed raise its ugly head with David's troops. It calls them worthless and wicked men. So let's read 21 through 26 of chapter 30. Now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they also had made to stay at the brook Bezor. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near, the people he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Because they did not go with us, we shall not give them any of the spoils that we have recovered except for every man's wife and children, that they may uh, lead with them away and depart. But David said, My brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered us into delivered into our hands the troops that came against us for we will <clears throat> for who will heed you in this matter but as his his part is who goes down to the battle so shall his part be who stays by the supplies that they shall share and share alike so it was from that day forward he made a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. Now when David came to Ziglag, he sent some of the spoils to the elders of Judah to his friends saying, here is a present for you from the spoils of the enemies of the Lord. Quite the scene. David and his troops go back and they're greeted by the 200 men that were left behind. 200 men that were too weary to continue. Verse 22, but all the wicked and the worthless, they got a bone to pick with David. David don't share any of the spoils with these 200, except give them their wives and their children. Greed finds a home in the wicked and worthless men that are in David's troops. They're not willing to share. Even though they have an abundance, they're not willing to share. And in verse 23 and 24, David now, who's thinking right, he's repented, he's been restored, and he has a clean and upright heart within him. David proclaims, what God has given us, we will divide equally. And from that day forward, this sharing of spoils becomes an ordinance in Israel. Whether you fight or whether you're back in the supply lines, you will share in the victory. And David wants to give some of the spoils to the elders of Israel there at Ziglag and in the surrounding area. And they're listed in verses 27 through 31, and I won't 
bother to read all those that David blessed with gifts. <clears throat> and Israel is blessed as David found repentance. And he found strength. He strengthened himself in the Lord through repentance. Sin has evil tentacles that reach out way beyond our cozy little world. One of my fears is falling into sin and being a disgrace and a reproach to this church, to my family. I fear that. It's a legitimate fear because I fully realize I'm capable of doing that. I'm capable of bringing shame and disgrace upon all that I know. God keep me. Sin only needs one weak moment to rear its ugly head. One session of bad self-talk or reasoning like David had with himself to bring him down to bring him to a year and a half of being despicable. David has been on, had been on the run from Saul for years. God had faithfully protected David many times, given David victory when Saul was there to kill him. But then after one of these victories, when David had uh, took the spear and took the water jug from a sleeping army surrounding Saul while his men were there sleeping. We find David in the next verse reasoning with himself and saying, one of these days, Saul's going to get me. And this bad advice given to David by David <laughs> causes David to fall into total deception and sin with the Philistines before God. And David, he was a man after God's own heart. And David became a murdering, marauding warlord for a year and a half, killing, stealing, just like the Philistines did. And David became just like those that he hated. He became just like one of the Philistines. And perhaps, no, it's not a perhaps. We can all, every one of us is susceptible to falling to temptation. Hebrews 12, 1 let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Each and every one of us is vulnerable to certain temptations in our life. Sometimes it's so inviting. It's so pleasurable looking. For men... Perhaps that young lady at work who thinks you're so 
charming, so attentive. Men, many of us fall into sexual sin right after a promotion at work or wherever. We get a promotion, and all of a sudden we think we're better looking or we're a little smarter. And ladies, you have your own set of issues in the flesh to deal with, and I'll let you deal with them. I don't really know what all of them are. Maybe, Maybe you have noticed, though, that a compliment can be more dangerous than you ever imagined. A compliment tends to hang around in your head and in your memory bank, and then you hit that replay button again. Yeah, maybe I am pretty cool. (laughs) Let me just say this. Sin is forbidden because God doesn't want us to have a good time? No, no, not for a moment. Sin is forbidden because it brings death. Don't overlook how David was so sorrowful that he wept before the Lord until he could not weep any more. Now that's having a crying spell. (laughs) And David's sin had its consequences upon his life. Later, when David wanted to build the temple, God refused David to building the temple. Why? Because he was a man of bloodshed. And I think it points back to this year and a half period in David's life where he was a murderer. So, let us learn. Let us have a healthy fear of sinning. Sin's aim is to destroy you, not give you a bad day, destroy you. And let us learn to repent quickly. It's been said the measure of a man's spirituality or a woman is how quick do you repent after a sin? Sometimes we will go through efforts of trying to rebuild our character by doing good deeds and then repent. Well, I want to show God that I'm serious and I really intend on being good this time. And so I try to build up into repentance. No, repent. Just repent. We start a new year. Start that new year clean before God. We have that through repentance, and we can be strengthened in the Lord through repentance. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father, we come to you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we have an advocate that desires to give us a guilt-free conscience, to live a godly, righteous life before you. But, Lord, we slip, we fall, we sin, 
But when we do, Lord, let us be quick to repent, quick to turn to you, quick to receive your strength, your mercy, your grace. Lord, as we come to a close of a year and start of a new year, we want to start that off with you, upright, righteous before you. And we can do that through repentance, Lord. So by your spirit, renew us. Give us that hope that we need in you, Lord. We pray for that close relationship with you throughout the next coming year, Lord. We pray for a time when we make the main thing the main thing, get away from the trivial things of this world and pursue you with our whole heart, Lord. Grant us that, we pray. By your spirit, Lord, we ask that you would just uh, convict us of sin when we fall into sin and let us be quick to turn from it, to repent. We don't want to be like David, to spend a year and a half in sin and then just to weep so bitterly. No, Lord, we pray that you would have mercy and grace on us and stop us quickly and then cause us to just turn to you with our whole heart. So we pray for this. We ask for this. And we thank you for repentance. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.